On today's episode of the Team Cooper podcast, Mr. Chester Cooper gives his contribution to the debate on disaster preparedness and response amendment bill 2019. We hope you enjoy. Please note that the following contribution was provided on October 16, 2019. Mr. Speaker, I'm always eternally grateful to the people of Exoma for giving me an opportunity to speak on their behalf. Today I make a contribution to the Disaster Preparedness and Response Amendment Bill 2019. Before I begin, Mr. Speaker, let me firstly express my thoughts and prayers to to my many brothers and sisters in Abaco and Grand Bahama and their families who have suffered significant loss. It is my hope and prayer that the good Lord will grant them the serenity to accept the things they cannot change, the courage to change the things that they can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mr. Speaker, I also applaud the many first responders. I offer thanks to the police and defense force officers, many of whom continue to be deployed in very difficult circumstances. I say thank you for your service and your sacrifice on behalf of a grateful nation. Mr. Speaker, I don't know that I have anything further to add from a legal standpoint on this bill to what my learned leader, who's a noted Queen's Counselor, already covered at our last sitting. However, Mr. Speaker, so far in this debate, we have listened intently to the other side the other side and whilst we heard many anecdotal stories we have not heard much of a plan in regard to the long and arduous road ahead i trust that as this debate <coughs> continue we will get an answer to the question where is the plan mr speaker from what i have read and the advice that i have taken what this bill seeks to do seems tantamount to forced mandatory evacuations, Mr. Speaker. And, Mr. Speaker, it does so by levying fines and prison terms for not leaving homes in times of national emergency without a proclamation, it appears, from the Governor General of a state of emergency. It is my advice, Mr. Speaker, that it one, it offends Article 29 of the Constitution and therefore the opposition cannot support it. Secondly, it is frankly unnecessary legislation. Not only is enforcement of this outside the bounds of practical reality, but as lawmakers, we should not be in the business of crafting and passing legislation that could violate our supreme law. This would also likely open the government and the people of the Bahamas to lawsuits that would further burden taxpayers and waste resources with lengthy court court proceedings. So, as the leader of the opposition termed it, it appears a publicity stunt. To me, it seems like window dressing, optics, and design for public relations. This seems like something we're doing to tick a box, maybe of something the Prime Minister said would happen after Dorian came. But I don't see any shortage of powers given to the executive under the Constitution as it stands now 
to effectively ev evacuate a population. And I invite the other side to examine the tools as provided under the Constitution, examine the tools as provided now under the Substantive Act and under the Emergency Management Act, and just use those tools that you have. As the saying made popular by Bob Marley goes, in the abundance of water, the fool goes thirsty. Should people remain in their homes in low-lying areas during a storm? Of course not. Should we seek to save lives? Of course we should. But we must find the balance in law without offending the Constitution. We must use existing laws before passing more. This all seems poorly thought out, to be frank. This bill also seeks to vest more powers in the Prime Minister, which could lead to more politicizing of disaster relief and recovery efforts. And as we have repeatedly reminded, there is no room for politics in all of this. It was difficult to anticipate the magnitude of this hurricane. It was difficult to anticipate the impact. But now that we know that the two the two of the only structures to survive in Marsh Harbor with a government-built clinic and the administrative complex, shouldn't we be discussing mandating specifically designed government-built shelters? Last I checked, we had none. There should be at least one on each inhabited island that can withstand 200 mile per hour winds, perhaps several for islands that are segmented and fragmented like Andros, Elutra, and Exuma. I would think that today we would be talking about a multi-stage evacuation plan in the event of national emergency, though we could not have known how powerful Dorian would become. Like every other storm, we knew it was coming. What aspects of the annual disaster preparedness plan that is completed by NEMA did not work? That is a question that remains to be answered. Was a plan submitted as mandated by law? Was a policy review undertaken as a mandated by law? Can we have a report on how we can be more strategic in future instances, as well as the plan for dealing with the direct aftermath of these storms? Where is the plan? Was NEMA fast enough or robust enough in its response? As we saw during the storm, there was record flooding. Are we going to place equipment like pontoon boats, jet skis, etc., at the various government-built <coughs> shelters? This is what I believe we would like to be talking about, to, to cause there to be a more efficient and effective rescue process in the aftermath of a storm. We should be talking about a comprehensive and practical recovery strategy. Recovery strategy. Mr. Speaker, weeks have now passed since we've been asking about a plan. And today, as I drove in, Mr. Speaker, I received a frantic call from a resident in Abaco indicating to me that the Igloo Tent City 
is being erected on land reserved as well fields. If this is true, Mr. Speaker, if this is true, if it's being erected on well fields or in close proximity to well fields, this would be most egregious and reckless so to do. And this is a question, Mr. Speaker, that this government must put to rest in the minds of the people of Abaco who are very concerned about the potential compromise to the water table. Mr. Speaker, I am not satisfied that a plan has been workshopped. What about New Providence? Have we considered that if Dorian had shifted slightly, we could have been impacted in New Providence and more so in very, very serious problems? But it's not beyond the realm of possibilities. Let's say, God forbid, a storm of that magnitude forms during this hurricane season or the next, or in five years. Not that anyone needs reminding, but our parliament, both houses, sit almost directly on the water. And we know what happens in Bay Street when it rains. As does our Supreme Court and our cabinet office. And so does the office of the prime minister. So I ask, what is our continuity plan? Mr. Speaker, really, where is the plan? And I don't say this to be political about it at all. And I know that we are in the aftermath of a very serious crisis. Yes, we are a strong country. We are a resilient people. So we can chew gum and cross the street at the same time. And what better time than now, whilst the lessons are still very fresh in our minds? The Bahamian people and the opposition are looking to this government for leadership and guidance on a plan for the way forward. There is a myriad of issues that have arisen out of this tragedy that ought to be crystallized in a clear vision and a clear strategy. Issues like immigration, the budget, ratings, taxes, national security, food security, emigration, the environment, housing, energy, and development for a climate resilient development of our islands. And for our part, we want to give our input on what this plan should look like and what it should include. We're here to help. And I know, Mr. Speaker, that many or all of the lawmakers here today would have read these substantive bills. And therefore, we know that law established NEMA. That law mandates that NEMA is the agency that is supposed to coordinate with local and international agencies. Why have we not come here today, perhaps, to restructure that act in order to fix NEMA? Clearly, given the layers of appointment this government dished out, it believes that something needs to be fixed. And I tell you, the new bureaucracy is unhelpful. Mr. Speaker, I congratulate the member for Central Grand Bahama who has joined the cabinet as a result of the creation of some of the new structures, Mr. Speaker. And I trust that he will have the, the latitude and the authority 
not expanding the maze of the bureaucracy, Mr. Speaker. But I have a rule, I have a rule in business. If everyone is in charge, then no one is in charge. We should allow NEMA as an authority to do its job effectively and prepare for and deal with the aftermath of storms and other disasters. And we should fix the management structure since we deem that there are deficiencies. I am told that NEMA has fewer than a dozen employees. So let's staff it properly. Let's establish a proper playbook to roll out during disasters. Let's have more frequent drills where appropriate and practical they can be achieved. Speaking of NEMA, Mr. Speaker, the complaints on Grand Bahama about delayed response in the aftermath are overwhelming and concern, concerning. And I'm sure the five members from Grand Bahama have heard these cries and will speak to this. What we will need to do on Grand Bahama, we can follow on other islands. We can properly equip NEMA. We understand that even its, its uh, warehouse had been compromised. We understand, Mr. Speaker, that up to last week, there were hundreds of trailers on the dock to be cleared in Grand Bahama. And I, I, I understand now that some have, some have been removed, but people still await relief while trailers sit on docks in Grand Bahama, Mr. Speaker. We are clearly, we are clearly going to have to revisit, Mr. Speaker, our modus operandi on many of these issues. Mr. Speaker, sadly, the majority of people in our nation still cannot swim. As leaders, we must promote swimming as essential. True. Sadly, Mr. Speaker, less than 50% of homes are generally uninsured or underinsured. Just about 50%. Uninsured or <coughs> underinsured. Roughly 30% of autos are uninsured, even though it's mandatory by law to insure them. As leaders, we must promote insurance education and insurance coverage as essential, which can make recovery faster and less painful. And on Grand Bahama, we also need a more bipartisan approach to relief, receipt, and distribution. In Grand Bahama and Abaco, we perhaps need mobile distribution units. We know that many cars have been lost during the, during the crisis, Mr. Speaker. In Grand Bahama, I am told that water <coughs> is still an issue, Mr. Speaker, and I'm sure the five members of Grand Bahama will speak to this. We know that many jobs are gone, and we fear that they may not return in the near term. The small business sector is greatly impacted, and therefore jump-starting Freeport and Abaco economy must be paramount. Although I heard the member for East Grand Bahama quoted in the press saying that the government will cut budgets, we need to jump-start the economies of Abaco and Grand Bahama. Mr. Speaker, and we must reduce the level of bureaucracy 
to ensure that the jump-starting happens as fast as possible. Mr. Speaker, we still know that too many unnecessary bottlenecks are frustrating the process. And we heard the member from Marathon spoke briefly on the Equinor spill and crisis today. I was hoping to hear more. I won't speak in any detail to this today. I know our Shadow Minister of Environment will speak to this. We're very, very concerned about it. And Mr. Speaker, I ask, I ask that in your quest, in your quest to bring relief and recovery to Abaco, I ask that you not forget Moors Island. Even though they didn't receive the brunt of the hurricane, there were substantial damages that impacted their way of life. The school, for example, is in need of repairs, but it can reopen, Mr. Speaker. And we should act swiftly, as reopening it would bring a sense of normalcy. And in Grand Bahama, I understand, the schools are still closed, and we should act swiftly to reopen them to bring a sense of normalcy. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, speaking of Moors Island, I want to digress here to congratulate Mr. Stephen Gardner, who recently achieved a gold medal, and Shawnee Miller-Yubo, and her husband, Weebo, Weebo, and her, and her husband, Mr. Speaker, who performed admirably well. We are proud of them. And we are proud of all of our athletes, and we congratulate them, Mr. Speaker. But it is with much disappointment, Mr. Speaker, that they were now welcome home to a hero's welcome. Stay we cannot pay stay out of big for the publicity that stay we get stay out of people business. on the international stage stay out of as a business. result, people Mr. Speaker, if you don't know, as a result of the winning of our athletes. If you don't know people we cannot pay, Mr. Speaker, for hearing business. our national anthem played on the international stage. Know all the facts we cannot speak. pay, Mr. Speaker, for the pride that it's instilled in our young people across our country when we hear our national anthem played, Mr. Speaker, we must treat them as the heroes that they are, Mr. Speaker. Get all the facts in hand, so. Mr. Speaker, with respect to economic growth, I am deeply concerned. And we do know that in the mid to long term, hurricanes tend to have a generally positive impact if we do what we must in relation to the recovery, as we saw with Hurricane Ivan in the Cayman Islands, Mr. Speaker. But it must be the right approach to recovery. And sadly, so far, this government is not distinguishing itself with respect to the recovery efforts. And therefore, we must step it up. We can be the model for recovery and restoration in the region. But let's first remove some of the red tape. Let's facilitate. Let's get the utilities fully operational. Let's get private-public par private partnerships and let's cause this the relief to happen faster. 
and more efficiently, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I come here today with a heavy heart. My heart is heavy, Mr. Speaker, because two years ago, September 2017, not September 2018, September 2017, 775 days ago roughly, the island of Rugged Island was devastated by Hurricane Irma. And I stick a pin here because given the lack of progress in Rugged Island, two years later, given the depth of the neglect and the disregard shown to the people of Rugged Island, it is fair to say, Mr. Speaker, I am deeply concerned, deeply concerned for the people of Abaco and Grand Bahama. You see, I've lived this movie before. I watched an episode in this bay. And I am concerned, Mr. Speaker, that when the cameras leave the scenes, <coughs> and they will, I am concerned based on the track record of this government that the people of Abaco and Grand Bahama could also face this blatant, reckless neglect that as we saw with the people yes. of Ragged Island. Shameful. I can report to you with certainty that the people of Ragged Island <coughs> have lost faith in this government. They believe nothing that you tell them. They believe nothing that they hear from you. And they only believe what they see. And they don't see very much. On Ragged Island, there is still no nurse, no clinic, no school, no teachers, no police, no police station, no postal services, no post office, no government services, no administration building, no solarization, no information on Salt Energy LLC the company who was awarded the contract for the solar plant that they definitely haven't seen yet. And no green city, Mr. Speaker. No green city, Mr. Speaker. 775 days later, families remain separated. Children's miss their fathers. Wives take the slow-moving mailboat to periodically visit Ragged Island while husbands go out to fish to continue to make ends meet. But I want to tell this government that unlike the song says, it's not too late to apologize, and I urge you to do so. It's not too late to apologize to those you abandoned and appear to have forgotten. But if you do apologize, please do us a favor when you do. Don't go swinging your hands. We invite you to take a full report and accounting of all of the donations collected on behalf of the people of Ragged Island because they would like to have a full <laughs> accounting and a full report. 
of donations received on their behalf. Or we invite you to bring that report here so that the country can hear. People are asking, where the hurricane money gone, Mr. Speaker? <laughs> so it's important, it's important that we get this report. And it's good for the credibility of our country. The people want to know. Then, Mr. Speaker, I invite this government to extend the concessions to Ragged Island that you have now extended to Freeport. They're Bahamians too. And I hear your heckling and your clowning on the other side. The people of Ragged Island are Bahamians too. But though you abandon them and you cast them aside, Ragged Islanders are resilient and they're resourceful people. Right now, Mr. Speaker, I'm working along with the charities to build a community center and a hurricane shelter Amen. in Ragged Island Amen. that can withstand 200 mile per hour winds, Mr. Speaker. Right now, right now, Mr. Speaker, we're in the design phase of building a youth empowerment center, which should be a multi-purpose community center as a hurricane shelter in the island of Exuma, Mr. Speaker. Right now, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, we in Ragged Island and the people of Ragged Island are resilient people. We will do all we can to help ourselves, Mr. Speaker, but we will not absorb this government of its obligation and its responsibility to act fairly and compassionately to all Bahamians across our country, Mr. Speaker. Hurricane Dorian has taken much from us, blood and treasure, but we can rebound, Mr. Speaker. <coughs> And we will. We can rebound faster. We can recover as a model for recovery in the Caribbean and the region if we have a clearly thought out structured plan and we can become more effective in the process of recovery than we now are. We will have to do it together, Mr. Speaker. And we're here to help. We would like to partner with the government in the interest of the people. But in the meantime, we have more questions than answers. And we trust that as the government ministers present, we will get more answers because the Bahamian people still have lots of questions. And we know that government is continuous. And we know that this recovery will take many years, Mr. Speaker. And it seems at some stage, Mr. Speaker, a PLP government will be called upon to complete the recovery exercise. And we don't want to be surprised, Mr. Speaker, when we come to office. We stand ready to work with the government on sensible, structured, well thought out recovery plans. And we will be people oriented. We will be forward-looking. 
We will be visionary. We will be sensitive. We will not cater to special interests. And we will committed to be committed to social justice. The opposition stands ready to work for the benefit of all of our citizens who love our Bahamas. Mr. Speaker, this would be a long, rough road, but I am confident that we are resilient people. We will rise again. <coughs> we did it before, and with the help of the good Lord, we will do so again. For he declares, lo, I am with you always. So may God bless Abaco and Grand Bahama. May God bless the long-suffering people of Ragged Island. May God bless Exuma and her beautiful keys. And may God bless the people of the Commonwealth of the Bahamas. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to subscribe and share with anyone you know.